0: If you look at the people God calls into a service, you'll find that He equips them to perform whatever it is He sets before them to do. <laughs> Listening to today as Pastor Rander explores this anointing and appointing process as it relates to one of the most interesting people in the Bible in this message, Samson, a judge who was chosen and consecrated by God but was negligent with his Nazarite vow. He'll be speaking from a number of scriptures, so get pen and paper ready as we begin.
1: He desired as his wife. Even though Samson's parents were disturbed and disagreed with his decision, they allowed Samson to have his way. The parents allowed Samson to have his way. Now, something I want to say in that. Look, parents, say what you want. Parents, oh, I don't hear you talking. Parents, parents, you do your children a disservice when you allow them to always get their way. Don't you let them break you down to the point. Oh, go on. I'm tired of you. Listen, be strong. Don't let them have their way. Don't let them rule the house. D- don't don't you become the child that that child needs to stay the child. You are the authoritative figure. It, that's right. You give the guidance, the direction Parents, ask the Lord for wisdom when telling your children yes. Ask the Lord for wisdom when telling your children no. And ask the Lord for wisdom when when the Lord is saying, you know what? That's a good thing you're asking for. But you're too young. Not now. You got to wait. If you put some car keys in your 10-year-old child that wants to drive, he's going to kill himself. And you're going to be in jail because you gave him the key. You see, he wasn't nothing wrong with him wanting to drive the car. He was just what? Too young and immature to handle that kind of responsibility. Ask the Lord for wisdom when telling your children yes, no, or wait. Then look at it. Let me put this caveat on it. And with love and gentleness, tell them why. Say, son, this is not wise that you do this. And here, here are three reasons. Let me give them to you. And I, a matter of fact, I want you to repeat them back after I tell you because I want you to understand. I'm not saying no just to be saying no. My job, I'm your spiritual covering. I want to see you have a healthy, well-balanced balanced life. And I want to see you with some spiritual boundaries so that you know how far to go. And God has me here as your guardian to guide you. So that when you leave this home, you can make the same kinds of decisions without destroying and ruining yourself. The scripture says in the book of Judges, chapter 14, verse five and verses 10 and 11. So Samson went down to Timnah with his mother and father and came to the vineyard of Timnah. So his father went down to the woman and Samson gave a feast there for the young men used to do so. And it happened when he saw when they saw him, they bought thirty uh They that they brought 30 companions to be with them. These were Philistines. Samson was controlled by the lust of the flesh. He was controlled by the lust of the eyes and the pride of life rather than by the law of God. He was a judge of Israel. Uh, he was a spiritual leader in Israel. And yet he was led by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And it's a day. It's a sad day when spiritual leaders in the church are unspiritual. I mean, uh, spiritual leaders of the church can't lead people in the way of righteousness in God because you got those in the pulpit who have had four and five wives, those in the pulpit flirting with other another man's wife those who are in a pulpit who are on drugs and pornography and all these things. And they are in the pulpit without an anointing from God. Let me tell you something. You need a person who's a deacon, an elder, a bishop or whomever, a Sunday school teacher, a counselor or whatever youth minister, they need to have an anointing from God to give leadership. And, and when Leadership is led by the flesh. You're going to have an unspiritual congregation. You're going to have a congregation that is spiritually weak and impotent because the congregation can be no stronger than her leadership. Are y'all hearing me? Samson allows self-centeredness to consume his life to his own detriment. So many Christians bring trouble on themselves because they trust what they see with their eyes instead of trusting the word of the living God. Like Samson, you are destined for hardship, adversity and hardship when you allow the appetites of your own flesh to be control of your life instead of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He 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 he, is, he lives in you. He wants to be at home in you. He wants to guide you, govern you, direct you, and, and to restrain you from killing yourself and making a mess out of your life. Let me give you an important critical scripture to hang your hats on. Romans chapter eight, verses five through six says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit the things of the spirit for the carnally minded is death. You want to live by the impulses of the flesh, whatever your body wants to do, you just give it whatever your body wants, drugs. You give your body drug. Your body wants pornography. You give it pornography. Your body wants you to over tattoo yourself. You over tattoo yourself, you even tattoo your tongue. <laughs> But 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 to be spiritually minded, to be spiritually minded is to be is to have the mind of Christ is life and peace. Number five, when Samson made the decision to marry a wife who was from the uncircumcised, uncircumcised Philistines who were Israel's enemy, he sinned against God and started his spiritual decline. Israel was forbidden by God to intermarry with pagan women. Women was his weakness and women began to bring him down. And let me tell you something, my friend, we'll be talking about that a little bit later. All of us have spiritual weaknesses. And if you don't work on those weaknesses in the power of the Holy Spirit, those weaknesses will overtake you and bring you to your spiritual and even physical demise. God says, don't intermarry with foreign pagan women. Let me give you some scriptures on that. Deuteronomy chapter seven, verses one through three, it says, when the Lord your God brings you into a land which you go to possess, And has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Edvites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons. Do not intermarry. Why? Because They're going to lead you away from the true and living God into idolatry and sensuality and stuff that grieve and break the heart of God and will cause judgment to come upon you. And there are people today you can get your life entangled with that will break you down and mess you up because you're with the wrong man, the wrong woman. Uh, It doesn't have to be marriage, it can be friendships and relationships. There are some relatives you ought not be hanging out with. There are some cousins. You know, I'd rather have a relationship with God than a run with 15th, uh, third cousin, 15th cousin, and they lead me to hell. First Kings chapter 11, verses one through five says, But King Solomon loved many foreign women. This man loved women with all that wisdom. Oh, and that wisdom from God. The smartest man ever walked this earth apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, but King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites. Look at him. He, he's loving all kind of women. Look at them from all kind of culture. Ooh, they're a woman. You know, he, I don't care where they're from. Ooh, he, he's just, he's just gone. Women of the Moabites, women of Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites. How? When your flesh get out of control, man, it, 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 you can't pull brakes on it. Uh, verse two. From the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Look, Solomon clung to these in love. He held on to those women instead of cutting them loose, lest they mess his life up. He clung to him, verse 3, and he had 700 wives. Listen, 700 wives. Listen, y'all, we're doing good if we, could, if we can hold up with one. Amen. Treat that one right. Love that wife right. Honor that wife. Sacrifice that wife. Be there for that wife. Meet her needs. When you get through, all you can do is take a deep breath and go to bed. If you fooling around and hanky and panky around with all these other folks, you're not doing something at home. You're not, you're not fulfilling your, your role as a husband at home, Man, when I get through doing all, I need to be doing with my wife. I'm tired. I'm taking my bald head self home and, and rest and drink some Kool-Aid.
0: As Pastor Draper continues the message, as unbelievable as it may seem, God calls, equips and uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. This applies to people just like you and I. Uh, we just have to ensure we're not negligent of our responsibilities. Join us today as Pastor Randert continues to explore this topic in this message, Samson, a judge who was chosen and consecrated by God, but was negligent with his Nazarite vow. He'll be teaching from a number of scriptures, so get pen and paper ready as we begin. <laughs>
1: And he had 700 wives. This is the wisest man. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. 700 wives. Princes and 300 concubines. And his wives, look what they did. When he got all those women, they turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old. You know, see? Now hold it right there. You know, it's one thing to be a young fool. But when you're an old fool, you really a fool. 70 years old. And a uh, fool. Fool. And Solomon was old. Knew better. Had a, he, he saw his daddy and what happened to his daddy. And and, and how he fell with Bathsheba. And the less, his lessons didn't have to be hard learned. Solomon was old. With these women. Filling his juices at that age. I'm going to tell you something. Let me stop right here. You never get... So mature that you think you can't that that you, you get to the point that you can't fall. You can fall. And God knows how to dangle those weaknesses in front of your face. And he knows how to bring you down. He knows. He knows what button to punch in your life to get you. Now, your weakness may not be my weakness. My weakness may not be your weakness. But all of us got some in our lives that we have the propensity to do that. We've been saved from it. But if we don't, if we're not careful, we can regress right back into it. Solomon, you don't need to underline that. Solomon was old. That his wife turned his heart after other gods in his old age. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. But then, look at nehemiah, Nehemiah, he takes it to another level with it with his people dealing with foreign women in Nehemiah chapter thirteen verses twenty three through twenty seven it says, in those days i also uh, saw Jews and had married women of Ashdod, Ammon and Moab, and half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah. Why? Because they had intermarried. And so now they're speaking a language uh, that, that, that others could not understand because they had all got, they got, they intermingled. They didn't have a, the, the, the language got messed up, but spoke according to the language of one another, one or the other people. Verse 25. So I look what man! I tell you what, this would have been assault and battery today, but they didn't have that kind of stuff back then. So look what uh, Nehemiah, that great man of God, got so uh, upset with his people uh, uh, messing with these foreign women that would lead them away from the true living God. Look what he look what he does in verse 25. So I contended with them and cursed them and struck some of them, and pulled out their hair and made them swear by God saying, you shall not give your daughters as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your daughters. Sons or daughters. He pulled out their hair. He jumped on them and said, you're not going to mess with our God like this. God's been too good for it. But well, what if I start pulling your hair out when you act up? Yeah. Y'all have me in the county jail. <laughs> Verse 26. Look, did he references Solomon? Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations, there was no king like him who was beloved of his God. And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, pagan women caused even him to sin with all that wisdom. You don't get so holy that you can't fall. You don't get so wise that you can't fall. You don't get so old that you can't fall. Verse 27. Should we then hear of your doing all this great evil transgressing against our God by marrying pagan women? Pose another question. Why must we not be unequally yoked with unbelievers? Why must Christians not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Second Corinthians chapter six, verses 14 through 18 says, do not be unequally yoked together with the, with unbelievers. It's not just for the Old Testament. It's also even in for the church in the New Testament. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Belial, Or what part has a belie- has a believer with an unbeliever, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. This body is the temple of the living God. As God has said I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 17. Therefore come out from among them and be separate says the Lord. Be holy. Don't be like the people all around you on your jobs and in the military and in your family in your neighborhood or wherever you are in the bingo hall. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So why must believers uh, not be unequally yoked uh, with unbelievers? Number one, Christians must not marry unbelievers because the Bible instruct us, instructs us not to do so. Christians must not marry unbelievers because the Bible instructs us not to do so. Second uh, Corinthians six fourteen a says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now be mindful that when you violate this biblical principle, you bring trouble, heartache, despair, and misery into your life that could last for years, decades, all the way through your life. When you violate this principle, number two, Christian marriages have enough challenges of their own without going into a marriage thinking you can save your spouse. Well, he's not saved. She, she's she's not saved. And uh, I believe when I get through witnessing to her or uh, him, uh, they'll be saved and the marriage will be transformed. It doesn't work that way, my friend. And sometimes people uh, will say what you want them what, what they will say what you want them what 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 you want to hear in order to get you but they're not really a Christians they saying, I'm a Christian I believe but if you don't see it in their life in their talk in their behavior in their character don't marry them And it's not just what they say it's what they do if they're not going to church before you get married guess what once you get married they're not going to church if they that's right if they hitting you and pushing you when before you get married, they're going to slap I don't know what out of you after you get married. They don't care. Those are signs. Read your signs and don't let love become so blinding that you miss your signs. You see, beloved, you can't save your spouse or anywhere, anyone else. You can't even save you. 1 Corinthians seven sixteen says, For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband uh, or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife. Number three, why should believers not marry unbelievers? If one spouse has the mind of Christ and the other has a worldly mind, there will be strife, tension, arguments, and division because you have different minds. One one of you is light. The other is darkness. Amos three, three says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Number four, Uh, You shouldn't. Christians shouldn't marry unbelievers because there will be opposing views when it comes to child rearing. There will be opposing views when it comes to child rearing. One parent will want the child to have a spiritual Christ centered foundation, want them to go to Christian school, whereas the other parent may want the child to be a free thinker, to be open minded, to choose his or her own gender or religion. A child may have a desire to, to be baptized after coming to Christ. One parent says yes, and the other parent says no, and there you have marital conflict. You, the child wants to come to Christ, and wants to get baptized. The lost parent says no, he can't come. The other parent says, I want to see my child come to Jesus. And there you have a big fallout because you're unequally yoked. Number five, one spouse may desire to lie, cheat, and steal, whereas the Christian spouse desire to live A life of integrity. You see, so there's two two different ways there. Number six, one spouse will desire to tithe to the Lord and use biblical principles to govern their finances. Whereas the other spouse resents and despises giving to the Lord's church and prefers to spend all the money on themselves and their toys and the things of this world system. Therefore, you are wise indeed if you date and marry a Christian. Slow down, don't get in a hurry. Slow down and don't get in a hurry. Slower is better than fast. you told talking about dating at 18, 19, 20, too young. You say, what? Yeah. You just not finding out about yourself. You're still trying to uh see what direction the Lord want to take you. And then you all in depression because you had a breakup at 15 years old and become suicidal, putting yourself in nudity and all that stuff and being shown to your friends and all that craziness. And you should have been in learning some geometry and some calculus and learning some timetables. And here you are all depressed because of a breakup of, of your girlfriend. Too young. Too young. Don't. Don't have a mortgage, don't have a car, don't have a salary, don't have insurance, but you won't <laughs> want to be dating all Dude, that's too much drama too soon. Let me tell you this. I didn't say it this morning, but I said, now, listen, it is better to be happily single than miserably married. So I said, again. So I said, say it again. I will. Okay. <laughs> it, it is better to be happily single than to be miserably married. A whole lot of people got married and said, I wish to God I, I had married that man. I had married that woman. I'm losing my mind. In then sandals somewhere. In closing, y'all laughing because you know it's true. In closing, you have a choice in life to make. You can either have it your way by ignoring the word of God, grieving the spirit of God and living in rebellion against him only to die in your sins. Or you can glorify God by surrendering your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and obeying his word, which will cause you to receive blessings and favor from the Lord. Beloved. You have a choice. To sin against God, to do it your way, to grab any woman, any man to come your way, to sleep, commit adultery, live on the porn, be stupefied, feels good, do it. I don't care who it hurts, who it crushes. And then you die and bust hell wide open. Or you can say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to live righteous. I'm going to be a righteous mother, a righteous father a righteous husband, a righteous wife. I'm going to read the Bible to my family, to my children, my grandchildren. I'm going to bring them to church and to Sunday school. I'm going to be a model before them so they can get the vision of what a Christian really is all
2: about. And all God's children said, and father, we thank you for this message. And father, we realize That we too have had Samson-like qualities. Samson is not alone. We know better. But then we turn around. Take our eyes off you. Let our flesh take over. And we fall into sin. Hurt our family, our children, church. Lord, I pray that you wake us up, turn us around let us know that it's not too late to start over. You brought us here to hear this message, to learn from the account of of Samson that was written thousands of years ago. But yet the message is so relevant today. Let us wake up, rise up, and live for Jesus in these last evil days, we pray. And all God's children said,
0: Thank you for tuning into this program for the Maranatha Bible Church Broadcast Ministry. This broadcast is supported in part by your generous financial contributions and we invite you to partner with us in spreading this important word throughout our local community and the world. If the Lord spoke to you in this message, let us know. Call us at 210-821-5683. Even better, come and visit us at 7855 East Loop 1604 North, Converse, Texas 78109. Directly across from Randolph Air Force Base. Visit our website at www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio and video messages. You can also find service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much, much more. Tune in tomorrow as Pastor Draper continues to teach us from the Word of God. Thank you for joining us today, and may the Lord's blessings be upon you